This sermon was preached during a Sunday worship service. We hope you enjoy and share the message. Good morning, everybody. I'm so happy to see you all. Um, you came to worship God this Sunday. It's beautiful always to see people of God gathered together to worship God. Um, I'm so excited to see you all. Thin crowd, uh, which is okay. This is, a, this is fall break, I suppose, and students will get back on Monday, I suppose. Uh, but it's exciting to see you all. I want to share a couple of things before I get started on the, uh, today's sermon. Many of you might wonder, or many of you might know, Pastor Scott, Miss Kelly, Baisdens, Lewis's, and Uppermans, they were in Israel, and you, know, you all know about Israel incident. Um, but the good news is that Pastor Scott, Miss Kelly, Baisdens, and Lewis's, they made it back. Thank God. They made it back on Friday evening. They're now at home, exhausted emotionally, physically, right? If you are in the middle of a war-torn country, you will be exhausted when you come back. They're just taking breath right now. They're just breathing. I think that's what Pastor Scott is doing at home. Am I too close to them? Okay. So, but be praying for Uppermans, uh, Greg Upperman and Danny Upperman. They're still in Jordan. They're not in Israel, but they are in Jordan. So be praying for them that they would uh, come back safely. They are flying on Tuesday from Jordan. So be praying for them. That's all I want to share with you. Again, I appreciate all of you coming to worship today. Today, I would like to talk to you about the call of Apostle Paul for the Church of Colossians. So our text is going to be from Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 15. Uh, let's read the whole text, and then I will dive deep into that as, as deep as I can, right, with me. So before I get started on the sermon, a couple of things I want to remind you. I have a baby. So if I mess up, give me grace. <laughs> and, it's, and the second thing is, um, not a lot of sleep you get when you have a baby, turns out. It's exciting in the front end, but when you're in the middle of it, it's like you pray a lot after that. <laughs> and especially, I, I, I realize you pray a lot for grace. Like, God, give me grace. God, give me patience. You, you don't know about your own nature and character until you have a baby. You should have a baby. <laughs> You should have a baby. It, it refines your character, I'm telling you. I'm already realizing that. I'm not even like two months into it, but that's, that's the reality. Um, so let's read. 6, uh, to 15. So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him, being rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you're taught and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by Him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You are also circumcised in Him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with Him in baptism, uh, in you, you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And when you, uh, when you were dead in trespasses and the, in the uncircumcision of the flesh, He made you alive with Him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with His obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and 
has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them, them, uh, over them in him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd give me grace today, that you'd allow me to speak your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak through me, uh, Lord, that the people who listen to it may be transformed and they would have thought and growth in their lives, Lord. I pray and I surrender to you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So in these, in these nine verses, Apostle Paul has three things for us, three calls, I call them, or you can say three admonishes, three encouragement for all of us today, for the body of Christ. Number one, that's call to grow. Apostle Paul makes a call to grow. And the second thing is a call, a call to discard the garbage of the world, the philosophy, all that. Those are the garbage of the world. And the third thing he calls us to do is to fix our gaze upon Jesus. Now, I must give Pastor Scott credit for this flow of the word, grow garbage and uh, gaze. He helped me see this. Uh, he Always when I prepare a sermon, I go to him and I say, what do you think? What do you think? And then he helps me see things clearly even more. So this is my goal today is to encourage you to walk in these three things, to see these three calls of Apostle Paul in the life of a church and in, person, in our lives. But before I go into explaining these, uh, these verses, I want to bring you back to the context of this letter. The book of Colossians is written by Apostle Paul, as you know. Now, Apostle Paul was in, uh, was in prison in Rome. So Epaphras was the leader of the church of Colossae. He goes to, uh, to Rome. He travels 1,300 miles, almost 1,300 miles he travels to see Apostle Paul. Why? Because the church of Colossae was uh, struggling with these concerns, like the concerns of they were denying the deity of Christ, Gnosticism, we said uh, knowledge is superior, had crept in the church, and they were denying that, uh, that Christ was bodily resurrected, and they were doing all these kind of things, and the regula uh, regulatory things, the Jewish dietary things, all these things were coming in the church. The grace, the word grace, the work of grace was being removed from the church. So Apostle Paul writes this letter, and they were also worshiping angels. All these things are happening in the church. So Apostle Paul write this letter to prevent this madness in the church of Colossae. He's basically saying, he's basically setting the doctrine straight for the church of Colossae. Colossians, you foolish people, you're not realizing the grace of God. You're letting all these things of the world enter in the church, and that is not what's supposed to be. So the, this letter is about preventing this false teaching in the church, false philosophy in the church. If you read the book of Colossians, you will realize the central theme of the uh, uh, letter of Colossae, this epistle, is, is to show that Christ is supreme, Christ is sufficient, Christ is everything. But this, is, this is the whole thing. In the first chapter, you'll see that um, Apostle Paul describes who Christ is, his deity, his, his supremacy. He describes all this thing. He says, Christ is the source of everything. Christ is everything. He is establishing the, the blessing that, I, that we have in Christ Jesus. All of those things are explained in the first chapter. And now when you get to the second chapter where we'll be camping today, that's where we see after he explains the, the, the centrality of uh, Christ in the life of a church and in the life of a believer, he's going to call them to these three things. Now, let's talk about them. First thing he calls in verse 6 is 
there is a call to grow. Verse 6 and 7 says again, So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, how have we received Christ as the Lord? We have received Christ with conviction. We said Christ is the reality. We are appalled by the realities of the, uh, the world. There's no life in the, in the world. So we said Christ has come to die for us. He is now our Savior. He's our Lord. And then we said we'll give our lives to Him. That's how we received. The word received means uh, consenting to uh, consenting Lord Jesus to lord over us, to master over us. We have done that. So Apostle Paul is saying to the church of Colossae in this point, just as you have received with that greater conviction, telling, uh, realizing that Christ is the truth, there's no other truth, there's nothing outside of Christ, with that same conviction, also now uh, live. Now he's going to say in the second part of the first verse, continue to walk in Him. He says, continue to walk in Him. That means constant fellowship. Walk in Him in a way you conform to the teachings of Christ. The same reality that you have realized in your, in your, in your life, walk in Him. You, you say you're appalled by the things of the world. You say there's no life in the world. Now, walk in Him then. That means walk in Him. This is what He says. Now, we need to remember a couple of things here. I'm way ahead of my note here. So I'm just dialing back a little bit. So, now, what is that word to walk in Him means? As a church, as a, as, as a believer, the walk in Him is to conform to His teachings, to communion with Him, to fellowship with God, to be in union with God, to walk in our daily conduct by making Christ the center and the foundation of our lives. That's the, word, that's the, that's the walking in Christ. Now, if you read 1 John 2, 6, this is what it says, Whoever claims to live in Him, must live as Jesus did. So many of us probably have paused our walk in Christ, or some of us may have slowed down our walk with Christ. But here, Apostle Paul calls all of us to continue to walk in Him. We claim to be Christians. We claim to be the believers of Jesus Christ, the people, the followers of Jesus Christ. Now we must walk in that talk. So how are you walking in your own life? Are you, are, you, are you continually walking in your life? Or the things of this world have been dominating your life? Sports. How about sports? Entertainments of this world. How about politics? How about other relationships? How about other worldly things? Are they dominating your life? Or is Christ dominating your life? So just as we have received with that greater conviction of knowing the truth, we must also continue to walk in Him conforming to his teachings. Now, going to verse 7. In verse 7, he says, being rooted and built up in him and established in the, in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. So there are four participles that describe the walk with Christ, how we're supposed to walk. The four participles, there are this. Uh, first, he says, being rooted. Second thing, he says, being built up in him and established in the faith and Finally, overflowing with gratitude. Let's talk about all of those individually. The first thing, being rooted in Him. Paul uses this word, being rooted in Him. How are we to walk in Christ? By being rooted in Him. This is a perfect tense. If you, There are a lot of teachers in the room, and I, English is my third language, so I shouldn't be talking about grammar. But <laughs> as I was studying this word, we realized that Paul uses this perfect tense. He says, being rooted that means being planted, being grounded, deeply and firmly rooted like a tree. Have you seen a tree walk? No. 
tree stays there. He, the tree is, not he, tree is, it's grounded, it's deeply rooted. That is how we're supposed to walk in Christ. If you read First Psalm, there's a picture of a tree that is planted by the riverside. What does it do? It prospers. It is blessed. The, the one who is planted like a tree is blessed. It is prospering. It is flourishing. And that's how we're supposed to be walking in Christ, by being rooted, not a shallow root, not questionable root, not easily shakeable, shaky roots, but deeply, firmly grounded. Grounded in what? In the Word of God, in prayer, in your fellowship with believers. So in all of these things, we are to be deeply grounded. Now, the second thing he says, we are, to be built, we are to be building up in him. That means it's a continuous tense. That means you are supposed to be continually building up. It's not about you accepted Jesus. Yes, I did accept Jesus. And then I now go to church every Sunday. That's it. No, you're supposed to be advancing in your faith. This is the call to grow. It is to advance. It is, the, the picture here is to adding tiers in your building. It's like one story, two story, three story. You're supposed to be building up. As you are grounded in the, on, the, on, the, on the land, you're supposed to be building up. You're supposed to be flourishing. So second thing he says, we need to be building up our faith. And the third thing he says, established in the faith. How are we to walk in Christ? By being established in the faith. What does that mean? That means apostle says, you're supposed to be strengthening your faith in Christ. The whole system of faith, your walk, your, your prayer life, everything about what you believe, your creeds. Your, your values, all of those things must be, must be what? Strengthened in Christ, just as you were taught by the Scripture. How we're supposed to walk? By being strengthening, not weakening, not fading away. Not now, five years ago, I have accepted Jesus. Now, I, am, I don't know where I am at in my walk with God. No, not that way. You're supposed to be getting stronger continually. Stronger continually. So this, the sad thing about some of the believers, maybe hopefully not in this, in this church, is we have accepted Jesus 10 years ago, and we come to church week after week, week after week, week after week, but then we are the same people that we were in our walk. We have the same uh, very nascent knowledge of the Word of God. We are the same people that we were. We, we just say now we accepted Jesus, but we are the same people. You pray, you don't know how to pray. You read, you don't know how to be the student of the Word of God. All of those things. No. As Christians, Apostle says, that we need to be growing, we need to be advancing, we need to be, we need to be accomplishing different milestones in our faith. And not by work, not by work, but by, by love and by faith, you're supposed to be advancing in faith. And the fourth thing it says, how we need to walk with the Lord, is by having overflowing gratitude. Now, this is very interesting. This is because gratefulness is part of your walk with the Lord. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3.2, it says, that in the last days, people will be ungrateful. They'll be ungrateful. So as Christians, we're all supposed to have this overflowing, abounding gratefulness in our lives. We need, we need to walk with thankfulness, being content. So my question to all of us is, do we walk with gratefulness? A Christian, marked and filled by the Holy Spirit, will always be thankful. He's always, or she is always walking with gratefulness. Always. Now, so that's the first point, call to grow. Now, the second point is, this is what Apostle says in the, in, in the verse 8. 
See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. First of all, see to it that no one takes you captive. You know what that picture is? It's the picture of being captured and plundered at sea. When you're voyaging on sea, uh, if they're the pirate that come, they capture you, they captivate, they, they, take you, uh, they, t- they take you prisoner. That's the picture here Apostle is trying to show to us. So as, as Christian, we're, he, he says to a, the church of Colossians, be, remain watchful, be alert, be sober, don't get captured, don't get imprisoned by this hollow and deceptive philosophy. What were they? They were like, um, the, the Gnosticism, knowledge is superior, body is evil, only spirit is good, that's why we can do whatever we want in our body, it doesn't matter. We need to be cautious about that. And today, we need to apply that same caution, maybe not in the same way in the church, but there are some garbages that Pastor Scott called, the garbages of the world that has entered the church in the lives of Christians. For example, saying that Christ plus something, Christ plus work. I, yeah, Christ, I accept Christ, but I can also... Do the work. That's the hollow and deceptive philosophy. Saying that we can deny the deity of Christ. Christ was not God. That's deceptive. Uh, Teachings that Christ is among many other gods. That's deceptive. Saying that we can be happy outside of Christ. That's hollow and deceptive. Saying that philosophy that promotes joy and happiness on our own merit, on our own help, self-exaltation. Saying, I can help myself out of this situation. That's deceptive. All of these things, Apostle Paul said, we need to get rid of them. We shouldn't be wandering in that direction. We need to get rid of them, these empty philosophy today. Or it could also be like as simple as uh, many Christians. Now I'm going to step on, the, uh, on this on minds here, let's say. Let's see. Horoscope. Christians indulge horoscope. I come from Hindu background. So horoscope is part of Hindu religion. We, we might not know. We check horoscope in, on the newspaper. Zodiac signs. All of these things. Good luck, bad luck thing. How about carrying rabbit foot? Or <laughs> knocking on the wood for good luck, bad luck. All of these things are hollow, deceptive philosophy. These are like the wishing star. All these things. We need to get rid of them. If you mean, we indulge in those things, if we uh, believe it's good luck, bad luck by knocking on the, on the wood, then we need to remember. I think we're forgetting the gospel. The gospel. The gospel. We are forgetting the sufficiency in Christ. Sufficiency in Christ. So we need to fix our thoughts and our eyes on Jesus Christ. Not on the things of the world. Not on these garbages. Christ is sufficient. So there is a um, verse 20 of the second chapter says, If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do we live as if we still belong to the world. Why aren't we different than the world? Why is a, is a non-believer exactly like a believer? Why is our habits, our behavior, exactly like the non-believer? So this is a challenge Apostle Paul gives us today. The second thing, again, to discard all the garbages of this world, all this philosophy that tempt us, that attract us, we need to run away from those things. Not indulge them, not even for a second, right? And the third thing, Apostle says, now we need to instead fix our gaze upon Jesus. Now that's the best part. For the next six verses, uh, for the, the, the next six verses directly address 
the sufficiency in Christ. Again, Apostle Paul is bringing Christ over and over again because the church of Colossae was questioning the deity of Christ. Uh, so he's bringing this sufficiency of Christ. Now we need to remember as a church too that when we think of the world, try to indulge ourselves in the world, we need to remember that Christ is sufficient. Christ is everything. We need not nothing of the world. Nothing of the world. When I say nothing, I mean nothing. All other things, the jobs and our, all the entertainment, all that we do, those are just the tools. Those are just, we use them. We use them to grow deeper, to know the Lord, to do the will of the Lord, right? We live His purpose, His calling, but that is not everything. If we make all of that everything, then we are deceived as well. So, let's read for the next six verses, 9 to 10. This is what it says. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Now, this, this part of the verse has once and for all sealed the, 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 the understanding that Christ is God. There's no question about that. Apostle Paul directly shatters this false teaching that's going around the church. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by him. All the lives, all the, the angelic worship, regulation, Jewish dietary, all those things have been shattered. Now, instead, we need to, what, he said, what he reminds is that uh, that who, uh, verse 10, who is the head over every ruler and authority, that is Christ. The first verse, uh, verse 7 reminds us that Christ is the head. He's the authority. He, in Him all things were created. In Him all things are made. So we, one thing we need to re realize at this point, is we need not to be afraid of what's happening around the world right now. In what hap what's happening in Israel, Palestine, we need not to be afraid. We need not to be afraid of the influences of, of enemy. We need not to be afraid of political change or spiritual calamities or oppression or all of those things. We need not to be afraid because this verse tells us that Christ is the head and authority. If he is the head and he's the authority, why would we ever be afraid? So we need to remember, we need to fix our gaze upon Jesus who is the head and the authority of our church and of our lives. Verse 11. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. Now, you know circumcision was done as a sign of covenant with God, right? If you want to read more about, uh, more about that, you can read from in the book of Genesis chapter 17, 10 to 14. Now, but what we need to pay our attention, what we need to fix our thoughts and gaze upon is that we have much richer, much deeper much eternal uh, covenant with God now in Christ. We have been circumcised in Christ in our hearts. Our flesh has been removed. Our sinful nature has been removed, our, which was hostile towards God. That has been removed. And instead of us being enemy of God, now we are made friends of God, sons and daughters of God. So remember that. Let us fix our gaze upon Jesus, upon God, who has made us recipient of this greater, richer, deeper, and eternal covenant. That's the second thing. And verse 12 tells us, uh, when we, you were buried with him in baptism, we were buried with him in baptism. We died with, for our, uh, I mean, to our sins, to our old nature. We, we died to our nature when we were baptized. 
in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God. Now we are raised with Christ by the same power that raised Christ Jesus from dead. We are, we are raised to life by the active power of God. So as a people of God who have been raised to life, we need to fix our gaze upon him today. And, the, and verse 13, let's read. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. Apostle reminds Colossians again, they were dead in their trespasses. What are they doing? Following the false teachings and letting in the world creep in and bleeding in the church. What are they doing? He said, you were once dead to your sins, your trespasses, in your trespasses. Now, now he has made us alive and forgave our sins. We are made alive. Church, we need to remember, you and I need to remember, we were dead. We were in the same exact predicament before. We need to remember today that we are made alive and we have been We've been raised to life, and we've been forgiven of all our sins. So we need to fix our gaze upon this Jesus who has forgiven us and give us, gave us life. Verse 14, having canceled the charges of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Jesus, by dying on the cross, has cleared, us, cleared up all the charges against us. These charges stood, up, stood against us. They condemned us. They pointed at us and said, you are a sinner. They said, you are hostile to God. You are the enemy of God. Jesus took all those allegations, all that charges, all the defenses upon him, and he died on the cross. He, he died on the cross, and he nailed all of our indebtedness, which we could not pay, which, which was unpayable mountain of debts, which would condemn us. He took us, and he nailed it on the cross, just like he was nailed on the cross. So we are forgiven. It is not our work that did, it, did that. It is the justification of God. It is the righteous that was imputed to us. It is God said, I declare you righteous. Not, Sarab, you, you pray five times, seven times a day and read three hours. No, I declare you righteous, not because you do that, but because you have called me the Lord and Jesus, you have, Jesus have died for you. God declared us righteous. He said, you're righteous, you're righteous, you're righteous. He declared that. You can read that in the book of Romans. So we need to fix our eyes to the God, instead of condemning us for our sins, chose to justify us and gave life to us. Verse 15, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the, by the cross. Christ is triumphed. He is victorious. All the forces of evil that controlled us, that, uh, that uh, manipulated us, now no longer have power to do so because Christ disarmed all the power of the world. Now, the enemy do not possess power to destroy us. Those who are in Christ, they have been victorious as well. Romans 2.1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus today, and you have, you have decided to make Him your Lord and Savior, you are not condemned. Because Christ has brought all these other uh, philosophies, doctrines of the world, the hollow and deceptive teachings, other religions, and He, he has publicly humiliated them. He has publicly made a spectacle of them. 
That's what Christ has done for us today. That's what Christ has done for all of the believers today. So this is, we need to remember, this is what we need to remember. Christ is triumphant. So when we get worried about things, when we are depressed about situations, when things seem impossible at this point, we need to remember that Christ is triumphant. He is victorious. He is, he is God on the throne. That's what we need to remember. So, and let's fix our gaze upon Jesus Christ who has made us uh, triumphant as well in Christ. I want to encourage all of us today. Um, now I'm towards the end of it. Uh, wrap it up pretty quickly. Uh, we all need to remember that three things that Apostle Paul says. Again, I want to remind you. First of all, call to grow. We all need to be rooted, built up, established, and overflowing with thankful. Not just, yeah, I'm thankful, but overflowing with thankfulness, overflowing with gratitude. We need to be building up. So if you're, if you're in, your, in your spiritual journey where you are stopped, paused, or slowed down, today is your reminder to pick it, up, pick it back up. And then go home and pray and say, Lord, I, 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 I repent. I have not been advancing in my faith. I have not been growing in my faith. And if there is there's anything that is hindering your faith, the garbage of this world, then you need to say, Lord, I've been doing this, the festivity of this world that have distracted me from what actually mattered. But I want to give my life to you. I want to make you the Lord. And you keep moving forward, discarding, disposing the garbages of the world that distracts you from the walk in Christ. And finally, we need to fix our gaze upon Jesus Christ. Fix your gaze upon Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the only thing that matters. Nothing else in this world will do. Nothing else in this world will do. Christ be the center of the church. Christ be the center of our lives. Christ be the everything. So if you have not, if you have forgotten that Christ is your everything, today is your reminder. Christ is everything. Let me remind you that again. Christ is everything. He is supreme. Like Apostle Paul reminds the church of Colossae, Christ is everything. Christ is sufficient. Christ is supreme. Christ is central. Christ is everything. I want to remind you today that Christ is the source of everything. If you're unfulfilled in your life, if you're not experiencing richness in your personal life, there's no revival in your personal fellowship with the Lord, you may have forgotten that Christ is everything. He's the source of all. So if you go to Him, He will build you up. Holy Spirit will build you up. There's no hope outside of Christ. And if you do not know Christ, uh, if anybody here has not accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, have not given their life, to Christ, then I want to remind you, you cannot experience fulfillment, you cannot experience life, you cannot experience joy outside of Christ. There's nothing you can experience outside of Christ. There's, it's, it's death outside of Christ. It's con condemnation outside of Christ. It's, it's bleak outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, it's nothing. You try to run to the entertainments of this world, Facebook, Instagram, watching videos, watching um, indulging yourself in pornography, all kind of sin. You try to run towards them. You can't find nothing. You do that again and again. You try another thing. You try another adventure. You try another adventure. You got nothing because you have nothing. Christ is everything. So I want to invite you to give your life to Him. If you're deciding 
if you're deciding whether I should accept Jesus or not, it's the matter of eternity. It's not just here, the fulfillment. It's about the life that is to come and that is coming fast. Have you seen how things are changing quickly around us? If, you're, if our eyes are not fixed upon Jesus, if our eyes are not set upon Jesus, we will be easily discouraged. We'll be easily soared in the things of this world. So we need to fix our eyes on Jesus now. Not later, not tomorrow, but now. So if you do not know Christ, you are losing. You are dying. Come to Christ today. Come to Christ because in Him, you can experience all those things I said. Forgiveness, life, you'll be made alive. You'll experience joy. You'll experience fulfillment. Everything is in Christ and Christ alone. That's my encouragement to all of you today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for, uh, Lord, allowing me to be your vessel this morning. I pray that uh, everybody who heard this message today, and Lord, I pray if there's anybody who needs to advance in their spiritual life and discard, dispose all the garbages that they have been holding on to, I pray that you'd give them that courage and Lord, help them to fix their gaze upon Christ, who is everything. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. Continue to be with us throughout our service and throughout the day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.